We're going to begin by reading one of Jesus' parables. You know, uh, if you've been around church for a while, Jesus was an amazing communicator, and he never talked without a story without an illustration. And so we're going to read a parable today from Luke 16. It's called the parable of the shrewd manager. Some of you are thinking of your boss right now, aren't you? The parable of the shrewd manager. And I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. And we're going to read Luke 16, verses 1. Here we go. If you don't have your Bible, it's coming up on the screen now. Jesus told this story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. One day a report came to the manager that he was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him in and said, what's this I hear about you? Get your report in order. You're going to be fired. How many know this is not a good day? Some of you want to leave your job, do you? Uh, He's going to be fired. And so the manager thought to himself, now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have enough strength to dig ditches. I'm too proud to beg. Ah, I know how to ensure I'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I am fired. So he invited each person uh, that owed his employer some money to come and discuss it. He said to the first one, how much do you owe? The man said, I owe 800 gallons of olive oil. The manager said, quickly, take the bill. Let's make it 400. And how much do you owe my employer? He said to the next man, coming up now, I owe 1,000 bushels of wheat. Here, the manager said, take the bill. Let's make it 800 bushels. The rich man had to admire this dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it is true that the children of this world are sometimes more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than the children of light. Here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and to make friends. Then when your earthly possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. Jesus goes on to teach a few little extra things. He says, if you are faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little, then you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. If you are untrustworthy with worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful in someone else's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? And then he concludes this teaching. No one can serve two masters. You're either going to hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. What an unusual parable from Jesus about this shrewd manager. It's an unusual parable, but it's not an unusual topic. Uh, I don't know if you've done much reading in the Bible, but Jesus talked about money and possessions in 16 of his 38 parables. One in 10 verses in the four Gospels are about money. Uh, Jesus talked more about money and possessions than about heaven and hell combined. Think about that. There are 500 verses in the Bible on prayer. There are 500 verses on faith. There are 2,000 verses on money and possessions. In fact, there are over 1,000 verses in the Bible on money alone, which is second only to the topic of love. And so if you read through the Bible, the biblical authors talk a lot about money. You know why? Because your money matters. Thank you for that overwhelming response. Your money matters. It matters to God, and hopefully your money matters to you also. Now, back to the parable. Uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples, not the crowd, not the Pharisees, to his disciples. And in this parable, he talks about this shrewd manager. 
And there's a difference of opinion amongst biblical interpreters about what, what is Jesus commending this person for? I mean, he was dishonest, so he got fired. Is he doing another dishonest act and being commended for his shrewdness? Or could he be discounting the price and foregoing his commission and saying, you owe 800, let's make it 400, I'll take my commission out, you get a discount, my, my boss gets some money, and you're going to be my friend forever. We're not actually sure, but Jesus' point is that how we manage our resources, our finances, is important. In fact, we'll be held accountable, and so we need to prepare for that day, and if we do well, there will be a reward. Jesus also adds a few other lessons. How you manage little will determine how you'll manage more. And if you're not managing what you have now, how many would like more money? Only three people. We'd all like more, but God looks at how we're managing what we have now to determine whether we're ready to increase our assets. He also says, if you don't manage financial or worldly wealth, who will give you spiritual responsibility. In other words, how we manage our finances is a reflection of our character and our maturity. In fact, you can tell a lot about a person by looking where they spend their money. Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart is also. How many know if we could pull out our wallets now, don't worry, it's just an illustration, and look at all our receipts, we'd probably find out what we're passionate about. If you're into gardens and home renovation, I bet we'll find some Bunnings receipts. Come on, if you're into movies and, uh, uh, you, you know, there'll be some village cinema. You know, if you're into footy, there'll probably be an AFL membership. If you're into art, maybe a membership for the National Gallery of Victoria. Or if you're into books like me, I'm a bit of a book addict. You know, book addicts, there's a certain joy in buying a new book, even if you haven't read the last five books. <laughs> if you're not an addict, you don't understand. But if you're a book addict, there's probably a few Amazon receipts in there. In other words, where our heart is, our money tends to go in that direction. So you, it's more than just about the dollars. It reflects a lot about what's happening on the inside. You know, here in Australia, we're one of the richest countries in the world. 10% of the world lives on $1 or $2 a day or less. We are all rich in comparison. But how many know when you hear the word rich, you think of somebody else? Come on, be honest. I've got a friend who went to Texas, and they visited this business person's home. And they drove up, and there's this acreage, there's tennis courts, there's horse stables, there's a pool, there's this big, huge house. And they're having dinner with this family. And my friend said, the family were talking about the rich people up the road. We often think rich, that's the person with more than us. But you know what? We've got to look at the fact there are many people in the world who have less than us, and we're all rich in comparison. But although we live in one of the richest countries in the world, many Australians are under financial pressure. Even Christians. A survey was done recently of pressures Christians are under. Number one pressure, financial pressure. And so when you're under pressure financially, it affects every other area of your life. Thankfully, there's some wisdom, and uh, Stuart shared some of the offering today from the Bible that can help us. Um, Jesus said in that parable, the children of this world are often wiser than the children of light. How many know that was not a compliment? Sometimes people without faith in God are better managing their resources than people that do have faith. It shouldn't be that way. Now, if you read through the Bible, there are warnings against the dangers of wealth. Wealth can be destructive. It can be addictive. Paul actually says the love of money is the root of evil. 
Not money, the love of money. And so money can be a threat to our relationship with God. Should we all be poor? No. Money can also be a great benefit to our lives, to meet our needs, to uh, help us enjoy life, life, and to meet the needs of others. Anyone heard the parable of the Good Samaritan? We commend the Samaritan for his compassion. Remember how the Levite and the priest walked by, but he stopped? But have you ever heard a sermon about the Samaritan's good financial management? The Good Samaritan had a donkey. Anyone got a donkey? Maybe you feel your car's a bit of a donkey. The, the Good Samaritan had a donkey, and he had saved some money. So he said to that person at the end, I'll cover the next few nights. And when I come back, if there's any extra expense, I'll help out. How many know it's one thing to have compassion? It's another thing to have resources to help a person more than saying, God bless you. And so we can do a lot of good things with money. In fact, how many know if we had a lot more money, we could do a lot more good? So there's nothing wrong with money. It's actually whether money's controlling us or whether we're controlling it. I believe God's will for all of us is that we prosper. To me, the word prosper means having your needs met and enough to give away. Not your greeds, your needs. Wouldn't it be good to have all your needs met and have enough to give away? I believe that's God's will for every one of us here today. Uh, so what we're going to do now, uh, we're going to do a bit of a personal money makeover. We're going to skip over some of this material because of time. And let's jump over to a personal money makeover. How many of everyone's into makeovers today? House makeovers, garden makeovers, face makeovers, uh, losing, biggest loser, losing weight. Uh, why not a personal money makeover? Uh, and so what I'm going to encourage you to do today and next weekend is kind of step up on the scales. How many of you are going to lose some weight? You've got to define reality. Work with me. How many know the scales don't lie? <laughs> They don't lie. You've got to get up on the scales, and if you're going to lose weight, you've got to start with some brutal honesty about where you are today. Well, I'm going to encourage you to step up on the financial scales, as it were, and just say, how are you doing financially? Don't, don't worry. You don't have to come up here. You don't have to come on the microphone. This won't hurt too much. But we want to step up on the scales. And to have an accurate assessment of how you're going financially, there are four things, four numbers that you need to know. Uh, number one is you need to know what you own. This is your assets. includes some cash in your wallet, under the bed, wherever you've hidden it. It includes a vehicle, your clothes, furniture, tools, investments, a stamp collection you may have, your house, uh, any money people owe you. Your assets are everything that you own. Did you know what that number is? It's a good thing to actually go, what are my assets? Number two, less exciting, but just as important, is what you owe, your liabilities. The accountants in the room are getting very excited. The anointing is here. We're talking my language. Or maybe it's feeling a bit like work. I don't know. Liabilities or debts are what you owe. This includes maybe a loan from the bank or a credit card debt or that money you loaned from grandma. Just smile. Our liabilities and debts. You need to know what that number is. Do you know what you owe? That's the second number on your 
financial scales. Number three is what you earn, your income. The wages, the salary from the part-time job or full-time, uh, royalties from that hit song you wrote back in 1960 or whatever it was, uh, gifts from people, a government pension or support, uh, investment returns, maybe a share portfolio, a dividend. What are you earning? What income has coming, is coming your way? You need to know that number. And then number four, we do this really well, is what you spend. This is your expenses, uh, whether it's food or clothing, accommodation, loan repayments. We need to know these four numbers as we step up on the scales. Jesus said how you manage your finances is really important. Well, if you're going to manage your finances, it starts with defining reality. And you need to know these four things. The first two things are on what's called a balance sheet. A balance sheet is a company or an individual, the assets minus the liabilities, hopefully there's a positive number which gives you some net worth, not self-worth, net worth, and some equity. Again, the numbers are not as important as the percentages and proportions. You could be in the room today and your assets could be a million dollars, you're a millionaire. But if your liabilities are 1.2 million, how many know you're not very healthy financially? If you've got 100,000 assets and you only owe $80,000, you're actually more healthy financially than the person with a million dollars. Work with me? Got nothing to do with the numbers. It's all to do with the ratio. How is your balance sheet? Are you healthy financially? The third and fourth items uh, what's called a profit and loss statement. Accountants are really getting excited now. This is where we take our income. Come on, this is a bit like the dentist today, I know. It's a bit painful, but it's going to be good for you. We take our income and we subtract our expenses, and hopefully there's a profit. We've got some left over. Again, the numbers are not as important as the percentages. You could be in the room today on a $200,000 salary. You could be earning $200,000 a year. But if you're spending $250,000, how many know you're in trouble? In contrast, someone could be in the room today earning $50,000 a year, and if you're only spending forty, dollars you are healthier financially than the person on a salary of $200,000. It's got nothing to do with the numbers or the amounts. It's all about the ratios and the percentages that determines how healthy we are financially. And so I want to encourage you to do this sometime this week. Get some help. You can do this on a computer program. There's a, a website you can go to and put all the fingers, figures in. It'll put it out there for you. But hop up on the scale. <laughs> Be brutally honest. How are my finances going? It's part of me following Jesus. And how am I doing financially? Be brutally honest. Get those numbers. And then, of course, once we know the current reality, uh, it's the profit and loss statement that determines the balance sheet. So how I'm managing my income and expenses determines how my assets and my debts are changing over time. And so to get the profit and loss going, the income and expenses, we need to make sure we're controlling our money rather than it controlling us. Money is a great servant, but a terrible, cruel taskmaster. One of the things that can help you is something called a budget. Anyone heard of a budget? 
Come on, it's not a dirty word. Some of you are saying, where's that in the Bible? Thank you for asking. Uh, Jesus taught about the power of a budget. Uh, look at Luke 14, 28 to 30. Jesus is talking about construction. Don't begin until you count the cost. Who would begin constructing a building without first calculating or budgeting the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? One of my favorite TV programs is Grand Designs. Anyone like Grand Designs? Great architecture, creativity. But how many know when they start spending more than they budgeted for, you can feel the stress coming through the TV screen. 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, hey, hey, before you start, do a budget. Estimate what's it going to cost, and do you have enough income or savings to complete it? If not, you might only get the foundation done before running out of money. Then everyone will laugh at you and say, this person started the building and couldn't afford to finish it. Jesus is commending budgeting and good financial management. Now, next week, we're going to talk about the expenditure side because most of our problems happen in the spending. And I'm going to share some of my mistakes and lessons. And so we'll, we'll get to a plan on spending. But in our final few moments, let's just talk about this income side. How do we get money in? And we do so through, through work, through labor. This is the earning side of our financial equation. Do you know God is a worker? He worked for six days on his creation project. Then he took a day off. And he created you and I as humans to also work, to use our skills and abilities in exchange for income. Look at the scripture here, Genesis 2.15. The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work. Everyone say work. work. Come on, I know it's a four-letter word, but it's not a bad word. Say work. work. To work it and to take care of it. This is not the result of sin. I think sometimes we think the Garden of Eden was Adam and Eve in twin hammocks with pina coladas or lemonades and just a life of leisure all day. And then they sinned and God said, okay, off to work. That's not the narrative. This is before sin. God put in the heart of every human not only a longing to belong, to have significance, but to contribute. Every human I've met wants to be useful. Is there anyone here that feels a calling to be useless? No one wants to be useless. We all want to be useful. Right from the beginning, God created us to work. You were created to contribute, to discover, develop, and deploy your gifts, to bring a product, a service to society, and in exchange to receive some income. Look at Deuteronomy 8.18. I know we're moving fast, but we've got a lot to cover uh, Deuteronomy 8.18, remember the Lord your God. It is he who gives you the power or the ability to produce wealth. Notice God is in the power-giving business, not the money-giving business. Wouldn't it be nice if you woke up every morning and there's an envelope at the bottom of your bed with a few hundred dollars in it? You say, thank you, God. You're the money-giving God. It doesn't say that. God gives you and I the ability to produce wealth. He doesn't give us wealth. He gives us the ability to produce wealth. So we have a responsibility to develop our gifts, our talents, our passions, to get out and get a job. How many know you don't always start with the perfect job? You get a job, 
And then it's not just getting a job, but doing a good job, a good day's work, working as to the Lord. How many know if Jesus asked you to vacuum this auditorium, you'd probably do a pretty good job? What if we approached every job, every task as to the Lord? Do it with excellence. Do it with joy. The Bible says serve the Lord with gladness. There's a lot of people out there serving the Lord. Joy is important. And when we do our job well, these are the principles of promotion. Uh, good question for you today. If your job was advertised today, would you get it? It's very quiet. If you left your job, would there be tears? Not of joy. Would people be sorry to see you go? We, we need to do well in our work. See, we've got this problem with dualism. Dualism is this idea that there's the sacred and the secular. And worship and faith and Bible and spirituality, that's all sacred. But work, money, that's all dirty. That's all secular. Have you ever heard that? It's actually Greek philosophy. It's not Bible. The biblical worldview is God is at the center and every area of life is sacred. Your work is sacred. Paul says, whatever you do. How many know the word whatever means whatever? Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. It's sacred. And so, yes, there may be times when you can't work, when you need to be dependent on family or friends or the government for support. But generally speaking, God wants all of us out working, adding value to society and earning an income, not sitting at home waiting for a check in the mail. It's a work mentality, not a welfare mentality. And he doesn't want us to get money through gambling. How many know Aussies are the leading gamblers in the world? It's not a great thing to be proud of. That's why the average Aussie lost $1,000 last year per head in gambling. If you add up the fact that many people don't gamble, Aussies lose far, far more. We've got more poker machines per capita than any country in the world. And gambling does a lot of damage in people's lives and families. Talked to a counselor last night who counsels people in addiction. And gambling can be like a cocaine addiction. Just statistically, for the mathematicians here, your chances of winning the lottery are 1 in 7 million, which means you're more likely to be hit by lightning today than win the lottery. So it just it doesn't make sense logically. But here's the key point. Gambling is diametrically opposed to God's financial plan because God connects the acquisition of money with hard work. So we develop the character and maturity to handle the money that we earned. Are you with me? If someone just gives you 5000 well, you got 5000 But if you work hard and save 5000 how many know you value that a little bit more because you've actually developed character in earning it? That's why many people who get some big windfall, within a short period of time, they're back to where they were because they didn't grow as their money was growing with them. And so God has ordained that the way we get the income side going is through offering a service, offering a product, working and receiving exchange for our income. And so I want to encourage you in your jobs, in your work this week, uh, to see your work as sacred, as something important to God, and as part of getting that income going on your financial plan. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about the expenditure and a plan for saving. Uh, it's going to talk about investments. We're going to talk about spending wisely and a little bit about giving. And so don't miss the next exciting episode of your personal money makeover. Now, we covered a lot today. Uh, next week, uh, I've actually got a, a book 
at the printers this week called Money Talks. And everything we covered today, we had to leave a heap out because of time. And next week, and a bunch more stuff on business and alleviating poverty and a whole bunch of areas. That's going to be available here exclusively at Bayside next weekend for $15. And so um, if this has been helpful, uh, that will be available next week. So as we wrap up today, your money matters. It matters to God. How you manage it is really, really important. Uh, Money can be dangerous. It can do a lot of damage, but it can do a lot of benefit, a lot of good in our life. Uh, Good money management starts with stepping up on the scales and having a good, accurate assessment. And so I want to encourage you this week, step up on the scales. What do I own? What do I owe? What am I earning? What am I spending? Start with an accurate assessment of where you are and uh, understand how important your work is for the earning side of your equation. As we come to close and to pray, um, I have real faith to pray for people looking for work. So is anyone looking for a job at the moment? Okay, hands up. Anyone looking for a better job today? Okay, more hands went up. Hopefully you don't work at the church. Just, just lift your hand if, you'd like, if you're looking for work or, or a different job. Come on, just hands up. And, and look employable. There could be business people around you today. So just look employable. I've done this and people have got a job at the break. So, so I'm going to pray for you and believe that this week as you knock on some doors, put some resumes in, go for some interviews. Come on, raise your hand. Let me pray for you. Father, today for all of these people with their hands lifted, God, you have given them amazing abilities and passions and skills. And I pray this week as they put in some resumes, as they make some applications, as they go for interviews, you would give them favor. And you would supply just the right job that matches who they are so they can add value to our world, make this a better place to live, and in exchange receive some income. I pray for all of us that are working, that you would help us to work as unto you with excellence, with joy. And as we do so, we would be promoted. We'd be blessed because of that today. Lord, help each of us to see our money in new ways to put on some new glasses today, to see that money is not dirty, it's not filthy lucre, it's actually sacred. And we would work well this this week. Lord, there'd be some people in the room that maybe are facing some huge financial challenges right now. Maybe they've got a mountain of debt and they're just thinking, how will I ever get out of this? And Well, we can't in a moment fix what's taken sometimes years to create. We can't go back and change the past, but our decisions today can determine our future. And so I pray for hope and courage and uh, the, the, the wisdom to get some good counsel, Lord, that people today can start making some changes that would give them a healthy financial future so that our needs could be met and we'd have enough to give away and to be a blessing to people around us. That's my prayer, that you would prosper each one of us today. In Jesus' wonderful name, everyone said amen.